0: Welcome to the Leadership Podcast, Small Things Make a Big Difference. My name is Spencer Holt. I'm a husband, father of four amazing children. I've lived in Canada, the United States, and the United Kingdom, and I speak fluently all three types of English. I've been a banker, part of an oil and gas startup. I've opened up a couple restaurants, and I currently lead the commercial learning organization inside AstraZeneca. I am passionate about what makes leaders effective, and how we can all be more intentional in doing small things that will make a big difference in the lives of the people we interact with. It's starting of July, and you might start to stop and think and say, how am I doing on the goals that I set in January? Some of you might be saying, oh my gosh, maybe it's time that I start setting some goals. This week's episode I'm so excited to share because it talks about the power of setting goals and how that can help transform your career, it can transform you, and it can really help the teams that you are leading. Before we begin, though, I thought I'd just share with you a couple interesting statistics from a study uh, at Harvard. The study shared that 73% 73 of people that make goals made it through their first week. 68% of people made it past two weeks, 58% of people made it past one month, and 45% of people made it past six months. So what does this mean? Let's just take the US population, for example, of 323 million. It means that out of 200 million people, 27% of them didn't even make it through the first week. It also says that only 8% actually achieved their goals. That means that 184 million people are giving up. And so I'm hoping that this week, listening to Iskra Reich, she can help us really hone the craft of setting goals for yourself and helping others and the power that comes from achieving them or learning from the mistakes when we don't. Okay, This week, I am so excited to have our illustrious guest, Iskra Reich, who is our uh, Executive Vice President for Europe and Canada. Iskra, welcome.
1: Hello, Spencer. Thanks for the invite, and hello, everybody.
0: Well, thank you for coming in, Iskra. I think you've got a fascinating background, and so what I'd love for you to do is, if you would, just give us a really quick introduction about like, who you are and, and tell us a little bit something maybe that we don't know about you that... Uh, you know, would kind of be fun to hear.
1: Okay, so let me start with what you know about me. So, so I'm I'm, I'm uh, I have a medical background. Uh, uh, I joined AstraZeneca a long, long time ago. I was very young when I started. And I basically grew up as a, as a professional and as a person to some extent uh, together with the company. And I had a great opportunity and, and, and privilege to work in a different roles, uh, in a different geographies with a, with a great bunch of different people. So I started in my home uh, country of Croatia and I did a different uh, commercial roles from the sales, marketing, uh, general management, access, Across Central Eastern Europe, in a different markets, and also start up or some offices in the in the in the in the countries in, in that part of the of the Europe. Uh, I spent some time in the regional office. I was leading the specialty care for Central Eastern Europe and Middle Eastern Africa, and then I I, I spent a fantastic five years in in uh, in Russia in Moscow, uh, leading our Russia and then also Euro, Euro Asia team. And for the last three years, uh, I'm uh, I'm I'm proudly. Uh, leading Euro- Europe and recently Europe and Canada team uh, in our journey to return to growth. But this is nothing new, I guess. Uh, so, so maybe one thing that uh, that uh, you didn't know about me and people who, who work with me and who know me uh, a bit better will know that I'm very well organized and very disciplined and uh, this is uh, coming from the fact that I spent many years uh, of my life uh, as a a ballet dancer so I was I I trained for uh, 14 years Uh, and uh, I think the kind of uh, ability to organize, multitask, and kind of you know discipline, and also make sure that you listen to the others where needed, uh, and and also kind of put the creativity in place when, need, when needed is something that is coming um, that is coming from uh, from uh, from my ballet days.
0: That I so I am uh, th- I love that. In fact, uh, you know, you, you do podcasts like this. You never know people are going to request for some. Some footage of you ballet dancing uh, in your <laughs> younger years.
1: I'm sure my mother can still find some.
0: I know I <laughs> have them. <laughs> I love it. It's great. You also, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, you are also in the dissertation phase of your PhD. Is that right?
1: Yeah, that also comes with the ability to multitask and organize myself. Yes, in uh, for last three, three and a half years, I'm. Uh, I'm working on the on the on the PhD on the dissertation on the with a topic that is very close to my heart and very close to the environment and the business we are in. So I'm looking at the at the relationship of the cultural intelligence in the in the expatriate and their performance. Obviously, kind of trying to understand how much our ability as a leaders leaders to lead in the culture that is different from our own uh, impact. Positively or negatively, our performance and how important it is for all of us that are operating outside of our home culture to be really aware of that and and you know to, to make sure that we uh, we we anticipate that rather than then get surprised. So, so cultural intelligence is one of the quite an interesting uh, 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 hot words, if you want, in the in the business uh, literature for last five or six years.
0: Uh, I I'm you know as organizations become more global. Um, without a doubt, right? That is such a skill that you know really any leader is going to have. In fact, Iskra, I'm I'm going to invite you back as you're when you finish that dissertation. Uh, episode two with you is going to be the insights of uh, of your dissertation. But today, I, I I am fascinated. You know, if you look at kind of your career and and for anyone who thinks that they're busy and and doesn't have time for something, I would just say, look at Iskra. I mean, you are. Doing so many great things and continuing your education as someone I remember I did my PhD and we had, you know, I was working. We had four kids during that time. You really have to be disciplined in setting goals and targets. Talk to me a little bit about that in in your own life of the discipline that it takes to set and achieve goals. What what kind of formula do you use.
1: Well, I mean, I can usually I say I say I'm using kind of three 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 things to make it happen. So, so first one, I think it's extremely important to be very clear how good look like and what is the end game and, and what do you want to achieve. But, but, in a really specific way, and then, kind of you know the second part is you know how you calculate backwards. And I think it it you really need to be you know specific and precise, if you want, to make sure that you really understand what you need to do today or tomorrow uh, to be able to 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 come uh, and reach uh, and reach the goal. And I think you can you can apply the similar, uh, the similar logic when we are when we are setting our targets as a business. If I look at the Europe Canada leadership team, this is exactly you know, how we do that. We know what the good look like in the end of the year, and then we make sure that we cover all the. Topics, but also the timelines backwards to be able to 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 make that happen. And I think that this is the kind of the the way or the formula that you can apply more or less in in, in many different uh, pa- parts of your life. And you need to set the targets.
0: Oh, I really like that. And uh, and so and it sounds like you can use that not only in in your own life, but for sure something that you then use. It, with the teams that you lead and, and whether you're leading that team or involved in the team. To, what does that look like when it's now just not you doing it, but the, what's the dimension or the complexity when you're bringing in 15, 20, or maybe in your case, thousands of people um, as you're leading larger and larger teams?
1: Yeah, I think that the important piece, and and the, the the reason why it is much more complicated is that you need obviously to make sure that everybody align and engage and and committed to the same uh, to the to the same uh, uh, goal, but also to the way how we will get to that goal. So I think that uh, obviously, I mean. Uh, I am doing that in my job with my leadership team and and then obviously they need to to buy into that because then they need to cascade to their teams and that 's how you get the kind of alignment of the of the broader organization and therefore it's extremely important to 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 have to bring people early enough. To kind of you know to, to to bring everybody on board and make sure that you know you create the the goal or the, the 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 vision of how it would look like together. I mean, obviously some things are given and and we are not uh, we, we cannot make all the decisions, but within the frame where we have the space to make a decision, I think it's important that each member of the team feel feels equally accountable and responsible for the goal with, that we set for ourselves. I personally believe that is the critical success factor of 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 of
0: achieving it. I I love that ensuring around that personal accountability. And I think oftentimes as leaders, what will happen is in your mind or in in my mind, I can see this perfect execution, this perfect vision. Um, Although it doesn't always translate. What happens when someone's not on board? Like what does it look like when it gets a little bit messy and how do you as a leader help someone else work through that?
1: I think I mean I, I think it's first it's important to recognize that in, in on that on time and I, I think it's always it's always important to understand why. You know, I think that, you know, we, we live in the world that, you know, there is no perfect solution. And I think uh, we have a leaders who, who are very, uh, very much able to speak up and to challenge and to disagree and to constructively, constructively disagree and to make a proposal. So I think you, you really need to kind of make sure that the, 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 the understanding of the why and understanding of each one, each member of the team is there. And in case it doesn't work, it doesn't work you know that we also have the, the the ability to make a decision uh, as a as a team or at the end of the day myself as a leader
0: oh i really like that and 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 i'm going to i'm going to push a little harder here cuz i think what makes <laughs> these great podcasts so insightful is is it was there ever a time maybe where you've had to really kind of dig deep on on a team goal and had to have maybe a difficult conversation with somebody and what were some of the lessons that you learned where Um, it it wasn't the fun part of the goal. Oftentimes we celebrate the big success, but oftentimes there's a couple milestones where it was maybe really hard and you either self-doubted yourself or you really had to like push somebody that made you even feel uncomfortable, but ultimately led to the result. result. I'd love to get a little bit more insight around the hard part of that um, from your perspective.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's perfectly fair. A fair point. I mean, we all each and every leader, I believe, had a good days and a bad days when it comes to, kind of, you know, way how we reach the targets. And obviously, there are there are times when when you just didn't. And I think yes, there are tough discussions. But uh, again, I think that you know, setting the targets and and having the understanding or what we what we believe we need to achieve is the first very important piece. Because if you do that in a good way, then each and every tough discussion at the end will still be easier because you can relate to what you all agree or sign off if you want to, to, to achieve. So therefore, I think that in the, in the years or in the in the times where we do not achieve the targets and we, when we go through the difficulties and when we need to end up in a tough discussion, I think in those moments, it's even more important or more relevant to have a, to have a proper setting the targets and alignment uh, 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 within the team because then also the discussion can be easier you know th- th- there are there are there are obviously uh, two important points here I think we, we always as a leaders need to support and coach and try to understand what went wrong and and not only for the sake of understanding who is guilty or what went wrong but how we can avoid or how we can support the, the, uh, that person to avoid it next time i think the learnings from the mistakes are the most important and, and if i remember a few of my important uh, kind of big learnings in my career were all coming from the failures usually we celebrate success and then we hopefully we learn from the failures
0: oh i love that I, I you know as people are listening here to this and especially if you're leading a team it, it, you can't underestimate that first thing that you just said. Does everyone have that same vision or alignment of what we're trying to accomplish? And, you know, and I just wonder oftentimes how easy it is to skip that step because it's clear in our minds, but that, that making sure whether you're, you're leading a team of 10 people or a thousand people, how do you ensure that clarity is so important? I love that. And, and your last comment I think is so uh, insightful about learning from failures and setting a target maybe not achieving it the first time but learning from that tell us a little bit more what would have been some of those maybe those failures in your life that you've learned from that is you know allowed you to kind of push forward and maybe achieve something you never thought even possible
1: yeah i think that there are kind of it can go in, in a two direction. i think that you know sometimes you can you can simply kind of completely misinterpreted or, or, or underestimate or overestimate the environment when you uh, that you work. And I think the learning around how you assess properly and how you kind of balance the risk versus opportunity when it comes to external environment is, is, is very important. Obviously when you operate in emerging markets that have a very high volatility, that part of, 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 of setting up the goals and, and, and setting up the vision or the the, the the target for people makes uh, is very important and then kind of it can be make it or break it. And then the other the other part of that is you know how you set up your internal resources. You know, sometimes we again underestimate or overestimate. And I think that you know if you if you do not reach your target and you understand that the reasoning behind isn't with the internal business decisions and judgment calls when it comes to either resources or resource allocation or the level Level of the of the execution, or even the strategy, if you want. These are the important learnings that you can bring and make sure that uh, you know you, you remember that, and it doesn't happen next time. So you're going to do the proper benchmarking or proper assessment.
0: Oh, I love that. Thank it sounds you.
1: easy. It's easier to say than to do. But
0: <laughs> yeah, well, and, and that is the truth. And I think what I love that you've done is, I think you know, if I you know, in that quick recap of the history that you've had in your career, starting from. The ballet days is it is that process and that you you don't do the process once but you're doing it over and over again in multiple environments, learning as you go. Which I think what over time allows you maybe that it doesn't get easier in terms of the you know the process, but it gives you confidence that when you do the right process, it's going to work out. Yep. Okay, um, I've got three go three very important <laughs> questions before we close okay the first one is about your ballet so i'm i'm fascinated <laughs> uh, not that i'm a, a complete ballet connoisseur but i've been to a few uh and if you could do any ballet uh which one would you perform in today
1: oh that's easy one it's always a swan lake you cannot the that, that, that's a very very easy one i mean swan Lake is the one that i would go for but uh, but I also have the favorite one, which is Giselle, because that's the first one that I I had a kind of you know serious role in. Uh, uh, so so Giselle kind of is very close to my heart. Will always say.
0: Oh, I love that. Yeah, we. I'm definitely coming back to you for footage on that. Okay. <laughs> question. Question number two. I'm. Um. I love kind of the different places that you've lived, and so I'm uh, because I'm a little bit. I love to travel. If if you could go anywhere on holiday. Uh, what spot in the world would you choose
1: uh this is again easy one for me uh for the for the summer holiday i would always go to croatia <laughs> and i mean one one reason is that this is a beautiful country for a summer holiday and the second that uh, it's still home so I, I i never miss the opportunity to spend my summer there
0: <laughs> for other
1: holidays i would go anywhere in the world but i summer love it I will agree.
0: I've only been to Carissa once, but it is beautiful. So I will totally agree with you and appreciate that pick. Um, okay, our, my final question for you is the podcast is called Small Things Make a Big Difference. And and this is where we, we, I'd love to get your insight is what is one small leadership habit that you do on a consistent basis that you believe yields a very big result in the teams that you lead and the communities that you serve in?
1: So yeah, I think it would be better to ask uh, to ask uh, members of my team that question. But okay, let me let me let me try. Well, I, I think the one thing that I I really really try to do every day uh, is that um, I'm trying to say something positive to people. So I'm trying to kind of you know make sure that there is this kind of positive note or, or a sense of optimism or uh, comfort that things will will be fine. So I I, I try to do that every day in the
0: office or wherever I am. I love that. And, and you know, just in my um, interactions with you, I would agree with you, right? Whether that's sometimes in your, uh, your weekly updates to your teams or where I've seen you in panels or different things, um, you bring that light of energy that really translates into the people that you lead. I, I Great insight. Um, Iskra, Thank you've you. been very kind. Thank you so much. And we're excited to have you come back.
1: Thank you. See you next time, Spencer. Thanks. Bye
0: everybody. I hope you've enjoyed this week's session of small things make a big difference. George Elliott said, it's never too late to be what you might have been. If you're trying to accomplish something, if you're trying to change a behavior, if you're trying to help your team to do something different, now's the time to have a clear goal have a vision of that goal, and work backwards to achieve it. Be smart about it. Be passionate about it. Don't be afraid to make mistakes. But let's each of us do one small thing that will make a big difference in the goals that we're trying to set and achieve.